Lesson One: Basic Hip. Welcome to the Jazz Session, the weekly jazz interview show. I'm Jason Crane. The Jazz Session is available at thejazzsession.com and also in iTunes. This week's guest is drummer Mike Melito. His new album is called In the Tradition, and it begins with a Sonny Clark tune called Junka. My guest is Mike Melito. His new CD is called In the Tradition, and uh, Mike, it's a pleasure to have you on the jazz session. Thanks for being here. Well, thanks for having me, Jason. So uh, this album, uh, I think, is a fantastic record, first of all, and uh, I, part of the thing that makes it uh, so much fun to listen to is uh, the care with which you've chosen the people who play with you. Um, can we start off a little bit and talk about uh, the guys who are on the record with you? Sure. Well, um, on tenor saxophone... We have the great Grant Stewart, who's on all my records. He's been in New York for many years, and uh, he's one of the one of the guys now, which is great. And uh, on trumpet is a trumpet player from Philadelphia named John Swana. John's got a lot of crisscrosses out under his own name and is a sideman. And then uh, uh, two guys from from Rochester here, uh, Paul Hoffman on piano and Bob Schneider on guitar. You guys I work with regularly, some of my favorite guys, and uh, and the bass player is the great Neil Miner, who's uh, currently he tours with Jane Monheit. Yeah, it's a really impressive cast, and uh, you mentioned that Grant Stewart's been on every one of your records. If if I'm right, this is your fourth record as a leader, is that right? Correct. And why is it that Grant appears on each one of those? What is it about Grant's playing that 
keeps you bringing him back. He's a pretty rare musician nowadays, in my opinion, because, you know, especially with the saxophone, because, you know, the guy never takes a bad solo. <laughs> I mean, it's, and he's, he, everything, every, you could take like, uh, you could play like the same take or the same tune and do a four or five takes of them, and they're, they're going to be different. And, and he's just got a, that sound, and he's just got the spirit I've, I don't, I don't really hear in anybody else. So he's really my, He's my favorite by you know on saxophone player. So you uh, you mentioned uh, when you were talking about uh, Bob Snyder and Paul Hoffman uh, that they're from Rochester, which is um, where you're based as well. And in fact, uh, let's talk a little bit about you and your history. You certainly uh, come from a, a family that appreciates good music and and plays good music. Will you talk a little bit about your your upbringing and your uh, musical relatives? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you know, my father is a uh, trumpet player he was the one that pretty much uh had jazz on when i was born you know he was he's loved it all his whole life so i was kind of exposed to music you know just from birth so i remember pretty much like uh, buying my first jazz record at 11 years old it was a charlie parker record and uh, i bought it because my older brothers my, my brother tom's a drummer uh and my brother chris is a trumpet player talked about Charlie Parker a lot. So I said, ah, I better check this guy out. And so I, I checked him out, and I was hooked. My my brother Tom has uh, been a big influence on me because he's 10 years older than I am, and uh, he really helped me, yeah, really helped me with everything with, the, with playing jazz, you know. And it was weird because he really wasn't home a lot after... Uh, he went to college. After like I was about seventeen, he was pretty much gone. But I learned a lot from him because he'd come back and he'd hear me play, and he'd uh, he'd offer some advice. Or I'd go to New York, and he'd he'd be really good with uh, letting me sit in. My brother Chris, the trumpet player, was great because he he was he's six years older, and he used to he used to really kind of hit me out to Blue Mitchell and Bill Evans when I was early, early you know, when I was younger, and I really got into those guys. And, so the, those guys were kind of a good springboard for me to uh, really get into the music and very helpful with my development. What was the city of Rochester like as a place to grow up for a young musician? Did you have opportunities to play and to study? You know, yeah, I, I studied with uh, a really great percussionist by the name of John McNeil, who's a percussionist in the RPO here. Which is the, and, the Rochester Philharmonic Orchestra. Yes, yeah. the Rochester Philharmonic Orchestra. Yeah, and, and my first gigs... I played my very first gig at 16 years old with vibraphonist Joe Locke, who was from here. From there, what happened was Joe Romano, the saxophone player, used to play with Buddy Rich's band, was also from here, was in the audience that night and heard me play, and he, he hired me for a, a series of gigs right after that. So, And then Joe hired me for a couple other things after that before he left for New York. So it was kind of, a, for me, it was great because... There was enough of a scene here to where uh, I, I could play, and uh, and playing with those guys was great because they're they're both phenomenal players. And I was you know I was nervous at sixteen. I was <laughs> I was pretty nervous, but it was a lot of fun and it was learned a whole lot. And from there, it it just we just kind of just once those guys left town, we just tried to just keep on you know going with like uh, just some guys around here and also started leading some of my own groups and i started playing around upstate new york i, I worked with a, a great saxophone player by the name of jr monteros 
and uh, great trumpet player Salamico, uh, who were based up in Utica, uh, Rome area, and uh, and so I worked with those guys, and so and I was in Joe Magnarelli too, the trumpet player who was from Syracuse. I worked with him a lot in Syracuse. So then from there, just work kind of snowballed for me, you know. And, you know, you've obviously, you've chosen, um, in the interest of full disclosure, I, we've known each other for years, and uh, I, we've talked many times uh, in other radio formats, and I know that you've chosen to, you know, to make your home and to kind of, to make your musical stand in Rochester, which seems to have worked out really well for you. I mean, when you look at the list of the people that you've played with, uh, right. it, it reads like a who's who of the people who are, you know, around in jazz these days, and you've really done 90% of that while based in Rochester. How, how have you managed that? How did you manage to make a career in music while playing in a city in upstate New York? Well, you know, that's a good question. Pretty much, you know, I, I think, like, I start, I did my first recording in, like, 1997. But before that, I, re, I think I played my first gig in 1993 in New York. So I just started to make some contacts over the years. And... What happened was, like, uh, I, I, it was good that I would be able to bring a lot of these guys here. Like, I brought Grant Stewart here. He, he's played, played here a bunch of times. Um, you know, Joe Magnarelli comes from New York sometimes to play with us. And the thing is, this, this, the great thing, probably the, one of the coolest things that, that happened with me was when in 94, 1994, Chuck Mangione, trumpet player, uh, hired me to, to play with James Moody for for two weeks, like every night. So that was a great thing because um, I, I got to meet, again, it was a festival he was kind of throwing, and he, he hired a bunch of people, and it was like Nat Adderley played. So we, I played opposite Nat Adderley, Roy McCurdy. So I got to know Roy, even though he's from Rochester, I didn't know him until then. So I just started to make all these connections through the history of just playing with some of the you know these guys and then from there uh i would again i would i was lucky enough to back some some other people who came through town and then when the rochester international jazz festival started uh john nugent uh was kind enough to, to hire me for a lot of things everybody that came through town he that needed a drummer he would he would help he would put me to work which was great so i got to play with benny golson and and, John, and, you know, I played with James Moody again. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm trying to think of There's been a lot of others, but, uh, you know, that's pretty much it, though, you know. And so it's just kind of, and then the, the job that I currently hold down, which is at the Strathallen Hotel in here in downtown Rochester with Bob Schneider, I, we bring in a lot of guests. And so I've, I've been able to play with uh, a lot of guys like Vincent Herring and Peter Bernstein, Harry Allen. Jerry uh, Nywood was there, right? Was that right? Jerry Nywood, Pat LaBarbera, Count Mac, countless others. Rachel Z, actually, Rachel Kane. Um, who else has been here? Just a lot of people. So, uh, Ryan, or not Ryan Kaiser, uh, Jim Rotundi. It's funny because sometimes people would come up and they'd know about me just from, like, playing with those guys. So, you know, it's pretty much just I base myself here because... A, I, I, I really enjoy Rochester living here. It's a, it's a great place. Uh, you can get to everything in 20 minutes. <laughs> uh, uh, the other thing is I have a really nice home here uh, with my wife, and my dad's here, which is good. And also it's great because there's some really core 
select few guys here that can, I think can play with anybody and can't do play with anybody in the world. I mean, it's it's really it's amazing the response from a lot of guys that come up and play with us. Uh, it's the it's the it's how everybody plays, how the guys play up here, you know. So, so I'm lucky. I'm very lucky. This new record uh, in the tradition has a very classic sound, and and knowing you, I know that's not an accident. Can you talk a little bit about kind of your approach to drumming, and then what you were looking for um, on this record? For me, I've I've always been like you were saying. I've always been a a, a bebopper, <laughs> so to speak. I've always loved hard bop and bebop, and and the, well, the best way to describe it is uh, I've I've worked hard at trying to get the history of, of all the greatest drummers that I, I love in my playing. And, you know, that's that's just a lot of work of just trying to, I mean, I guess sound alike, sound, trying to sound like them at first, the imitation process. But then you kind of start breaking away from it and you start to try to, you know, just expand on, on your own, on, on what they did and try to just make it your own. And I think that that's really, for me, that's my whole goal, is not to try to sound like anybody but me. And, you know, I'd love to have people... Just in two bars, say that's Mike Melito. You know, I, I always usually on my records pick like a lot of lesser-known tunes, and and for this record, it's no different. And uh, and it's good because it hopefully one of the best things I've compliments I've ever gotten, I think, is that through some of my records, one of the great things is that people tend to go, you know, find the original recording of maybe one of the tunes I recorded. And they might might not even have, so obviously they've never heard the tune before, so if they go and listen to like a Hank Mobley tune that I've recorded, and they go check out Hank Mobley, and then, oh wow, Hank Mobley. And then they kind of get turned on to Hank Mobley, you know. Well, one of my uh, favorite moments on this record is actually um, one of the originals. It's uh, Neil Miner's tune, Shades of Blue, uh, which is written over the chord changes to uh, How Deep is the Ocean, right? Right. Yeah. And uh, it just has that like great kind of laid back, you know, dragging your butt along the floor kind of loping swing to it that I that I really love. 
And uh, I think it it gets to me uh, to one of the things that I've always liked about you as a drummer, which is that you're able to uh, propel a band forward without having to suck up all the air in the room. And uh, it strikes me that you kind of really understand your role, when to move forward, when to be in the background as a drummer. Is that something that you've really had to work on to kind of find your place in any group setting and, and figure out how to lead from the drum set without overbearing everyone? Yeah, you know, I, it definitely takes a long time to, to to get that together. I think, you know, for me, I've always, since I, I was really learned a lot of jazz, how to play this stuff really on the bandstand and a lot of just on my own was, you know, because uh, really after after 11th grade, that was my last drum lesson, really formally, you know, I mean, it was just like then just kind of hanging out with people and talking. But, yeah, I think for me, I've always, the thing that, that really helped me a lot was just being able to be exposed to all the greatest drummers in, in my house. Like, my father would play all these, you know, Art Blakey recordings, Papa Joe Jones recordings, Philly Joe Jones, Moray Haynes, Max Roach. And the one thing I always noticed that stood out and on each of those, each of those guys, I should say, is the way that the, the cymbal beat. You know, they they all tended to kind of guide the band through not really playing a ton, but they it, but it, when they played, it was what the, every note meant something. And so, since every note meant something, it, it just it, it just created this excitement that you know every I mean, a clarity about the and that it gave each band they played with and. And that's something that really always struck me because I think a lot of drummers and a lot of musicians nowadays, or when you're younger, I should say, tend to overplay because I noticed that with a lot of even some of my students. You know, I always try to tell them to not to even deal with anything but just bang a ding on the ride cymbal for, for a while to try to get them to get their feel and time together. And for me, that's just kind of, I came through just the process of, you know, not just keep time but but just try to be more try to make that your base and then try to just let your have enough of the tools together on the drums and and what you could do to be able to respond to what's going on musically at the moment in the moment you know and that's what I love about jazz but for me I just think that I I hear the music more from an inside perspective than a kind of an outside perspective but I, I think all the greatest that drummers had that. Elvin, even Elvin Jones and guys like that. Elvin Jones. I mean, they, the the first and foremost thing they could do was swing. You know, I mean, Roy Haynes. I mean, even I think a lot of these guys get misunderstood. You know, so basically, it's just in listening to all the stuff that they had done on the recordings and just saying, "Wow, man, they they really just every they knew how to they, their instincts were." so so far like uh advanced and they they just could their the reaction time was very fast that they created a lot of excitement without having to really play a lot and then when they did play a lot they knew how to make it fit with the band to where it didn't really over kind of overkill the the group and kill the band you know you've been playing since you were a kid and uh, you know in so many settings so many thousands of gigs what is it that is this still exciting for you? What is it that makes it exciting for you if it if it still is, which I imagine it is? Oh man, I love it. I would, you know, I'm I consider myself one of the luckiest guys in the world. I I've, I've told you that many times. Um, you know, the thing is for me, it's just I I never jazz. You could play the same tune 
with, you know, night after night, and it's going to be different. You know, it's funny because Bill Dobbins, who's a piano player who, who I work with a lot here every week, we talk, we've talked about this a lot. You know, he says, you know, jazz, the, the great thing about jazz is that, you know, we can get up and we can play the same tune three nights in a row, and it's going to be different, even if we're not really trying to be different. So the, jazz music to me is always about, you know, trying to expand and trying to be able to just uh, play in the moment. And I think the playing in the moment for me is the thing that really makes it really exciting. Because you know, you, you, when you when you go up there, you don't know what's really going to happen. Even if you're you're playing in a in a bebop, hard bop, kind of a more I sh- what's the word I'm looking for? I hate to say restrained style, but it's not like you're playing avant-garde music, you know? Sure. Where it's totally free, free for all, and but th- for with even just playing within parameters of playing straight ahead jazz. Um, it's always going to be different, you know. So I think the co- the conversational aspect of the music is very important in any style of jazz you play, you know. And whether I think a lot of people just think the music starts to get more creative when it gets outer, but for me, I don't I don't think it's more creative. I just think it's just a different way of creating, you know. Well, my guest is Mike Melito. His new CD is in the tradition. You can find out more at MikeMolito.com. And, of course, uh, there'll be links to his uh, sites and uh, all of the good stuff you need to know uh, at thejazzsession.com. Mike, I'm not sure what number interview this is between the two of us, but uh, as, as always, it's a pleasure to talk to you and uh, wish you all the best. And thanks so much for coming on the Jazz Session. Well, thanks for having me, Jason. It's, always, it's great. I, I always listen to the Jazz Session online, and I love it. Thanks, man. And we miss you here. (laughs) Thank you very much.
That's drummer Mike Melito from his new album, In the Tradition. You've been listening to The Jazz Session, the weekly jazz interview show. I'm Jason Crane. The Jazz Session is available for free in the iTunes that the kids seem to like, and also at thejazzsession.com, where you'll find written interviews, live jazz news, and lots of jazz links. You can also click on Show Archive to find links to every episode of The Jazz Session, all the way back to show number one with Grant Stewart, who also appears on the Mike Melito record we were just talking about. The Jazz Session has an email mailing list, which is a great way to win free music. That is uh, the primary method by which I give out free CDs. So if you want to win free stuff from the Jazz Session, I would recommend signing up for the mailing list, which you can do at thejazzsession.com. Simple, free, no spam, and uh, the occasional free CDs. For more interviews and reviews, surf on over, do people still say surf on over, to allaboutjazz.com, the world's largest jazz website. You'll find my work there, beside that of many other jazz writers, reviewers, and fans. The theme music for this show is by my good friends in the Respect Sextet. They've got a brand new album called Serious Respect. Find out more online at respectsextet.com. Do it now, thank you. Thanks also to Dave Rabel, who designed the lovely Jazz Session logo. Most importantly, though, as always, thank you for listening and for telling a friend about the Jazz Session. Word of mouth is great advertising, and in fact, the only kind of advertising I can afford. So if you don't tell anybody, it's just going to be you and me. I hope that you will support live jazz with your wallet whenever and wherever you can, and then come on back next time for another conversation about jazz right here on the Jazz Session. Thank you for listening. Bye.